G'day everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Scale Up's podcast. It is just you and me today and I'm excited to hear you or see you. can't really see you, but I can hear you. So hopefully you're hearing me. We're in a good space to start with. Today, I want to talk about, and I'm going to talk about actually over the next few months, just every now and again, I really want to start to share with you some ideas around how you can optimize your business model for scalability or for valuation or for both. So what I want to chat today uh, to you about is switching costs. And what do I mean by switching costs? You know, you've heard sometimes people talk about the fact that they've got like a sticky business model. Oh, my business model is really sticky. And what they usually mean is that there's some real or perceived or maybe both um, kinds of switching costs that they've got in their in their model. What I mean by that is, you know, like an element of the product or the service or the business model that makes it less likely that customers are going to seek alternative solutions. They, they're more likely that they're going to stay longer. And in my head, there's probably three different types, and I want to chat to you about uh, chat to you about them today. The first one is penalties, and nobody likes penalties. Let's be frank. But you know, think about some of the switching costs you've got in um, in parts of your own life that actually make you second. You know, have a second thought as to whether you'll stick with a business. You might have to pay out the rest of your minimum contract on your commercial or your rental lease, or your mobile phone where there's a material break fee if you leave early, or your home loan, like a you know a fixed term mortgage which has got early exit fees or a software license where you signed a five-year contract where you got favorable pricing and you want out after one year, but now you've got a material break fee because they're kind of out of pocket. And this it sort of plays on our desire not to ever waste money because we see you know wasted money is dead money and none of us like parting with that. And so whilst I'm not a fan of having penalties only, when there's a lot of value that you're getting and there's also a bit of tension or a penalty or a negative consequence for leaving, can be a valuable part of an overall builder switching cost, but I don't think it's the only thing to focus on. Otherwise, you feel trapped and that actually builds resentment and that can build real brand damage uh, when you feel like you just cannot get out of a contract. So the second one, and of course, the more interesting uh, place is how do you create value? You know, there may be no direct cost to move, but if you've built your model in such a way that there's increasing amounts of value, the longer your customer is with you, then it starts to build resistance towards the idea of switching naturally. And that might be perceived value or it could be real value. So for an example, um, you might be familiar with uh, would be airlines. Okay. Uh, I'm sure many, you know, there's probably, if we're, in, if we're talking in Australia, there's Qantas people in the room and there's Virgin people in the room. And people don't want to lose the status points or the flying level they've accrued whether they've actually used the benefits that they have or they haven't, um, they kind of fear the loss of what they've invested in and often won't move either because of ego or because they feel like they're going to lose something that they've invested in and they think they'll lose something that's valuable to them, whether it's, again, a real or a perceived benefit. The third one is, um, and I will give you some more examples today, and the third one is uh, difficulty. So perhaps you don't feel like you're going to lose something maybe that you care about so much, but you perceive that a level of difficulty, like the time that you're going to have to invest to rebuild a new service with a new provider, like switching CRMs, for example, which I've just done recently, where you're probably getting 90% of the same features, but actually the difficulty involved might be quite high. Um, or maybe it's not that high, but you're made to think it's really high, and that can actually cause you not to move and stay longer. Now, interestingly, these play on two sort of primary motivators for human behavior. Because in reality, if you think, if you kind of go back to your Tony Robbins days, even though he's still around, 
you know, we behave in any way really for one or two reasons, generally speaking, because we move towards things that we think will bring us pleasure and we move away from things that we think will bring us pain. And the first and the third ones, the penalties and the difficulty are kind of examples of this away from motivation, this pain-driven motivation. We don't want to incur the pain, so we stay. The second one, the value is all about building up reasons to have people stay because they love what they have. They get value from it and that value is increasing the longer they are with you um, and or at least they perceive they're getting value from it. So why does all this matter and why does switching, switching costs matter? Well, there's a few reasons. Um, three, I would say. The first is margin expansion. Stickier business models, so people, you know, customers that have cus- uh, business models that have customers that are stickier and tend to stick around longer, they end up with a higher lifetime value per client. So just imagine a situation where it costs you like $150 to acquire a client that pays you $800 in revenue. So that's probably, I have another mess, but let's, let's probably like 16, 18% of your revenue you're paying to acquire the customer. Now imagine you can get that customer to purchase from you two times, three times, four times, five times, 10 times over the next 10 years. All of a sudden, that same customer you paid $150 for is now giving you 5,000, 7,000, 9,000, 10,000. And all of a sudden, the percentage of revenue that you're getting from the customer versus the cost to acquire is massively expanding. And so in that situation, your margins are usually increasing because your cost of acquisition is coming down as an overall percentage of your revenue. So fundamentally, how much you're spending to get customers as a percentage of how much money you make is coming down over time. So your margins are going up if all other things are equal. So that really helps you to build better margins, better profitability, which of course can make your business more valuable. Businesses that have outsized profitability in an industry compared to their competitors, they are worth more. People will pay better multiples for those businesses. Second, second reason is cash flow predictability. As your customers get stickier and longer term, your ability to predict future cash flow becomes greater. And investors and buyers absolutely will pay more for businesses where they've got longer term cash flow predictability because fundamentally you know if you think about transactional businesses um, they tend to get valued as a multiple of earnings but businesses uh, with really high expected lifetime value and long sticky customers can actually often achieve multiples of revenue so let's just let's put that in commercial terms Imagine you've got a business doing $10 million in revenue and $2 million in EBITDA or, or sort of you know, profit before depreciation and um, uh, earnings before interest and tax and depreciation and amortization. Let's just say you're going to get five times your EBITDA as your enterprise value. So you've got $2 million of EBITDA, you're going to get a five-time multiple, so it's worth $10 million in a transaction before any other costs. However, sometimes a software business with just one and a half to $2 million in annual recurring revenue could be worth four or five times revenue. So it's actually also worth $10 million, but it often has to front load its customer acquisition cost to buy customers with the expectation they're gonna get this long-term sticky revenue. So yes, they have to capital raise, uh, they have a different financing model, they have to capital raise early and regularly to fund the growth. But of course they can become incredibly successful like the unicorns, which are pretty much all SaaS businesses, they're all technology businesses, um, or certainly the vast majority, it's just a different way of generating um, a higher multiple. So regardless, if you're a services business, if you've got longer contracts and customers that stay longer and who spend more with you where you don't have to keep acquiring every new customer every year and replacing that revenue every year, you're going to get higher multiples than business that are having to replace all their customers with a new set of customers year in and year out because they are going to have higher marketing costs and lower profitability than those businesses with the really long-term revenue. Okay, third reason, a competitive moat. Well, it's difficult for people to leave 
uh, if it if it's difficult, I should say, for people to leave, um, and they don't want to leave either because the value built up or how hard it is to get out of your ecosystem or a combination of the two, um, it becomes harder for your competitors to compete um, because once you've got a customer, they know it's hard for them to woo them away. So the pool that gets gobbled up of customers by the number one and number two in the market leaves less for those people who aren't in the game to compete on. So if they've got sticky business models, it becomes a real disincentive for new players in the market to try to get them uh, away from you. And investors love that. So it increases, again, the value and the sellability uh, of your business. So now I'm going to give you um, an example just to prompt your thinking. I have a wonderful client called uh, The Backroom. They supply accountants and bookkeepers um, in the Philippines and other developing countries, and they supply them to mid-tier accounting firms in the UK, Australia, New Zealand, and the US. So simply, they charge a fee per month per head, so essentially you know, per person. And because those team members, so if you're a, a UK mid-tier accounting firm and the, and the position is like, hey, well, I'm spending you know, $100,000 per accountant, but I've also got some of these guys doing some really basic work. Why wouldn't I outsource that basic work to a lower cost resource, a team member in the Philippines who becomes a part of my business so I can get my $100,000 resource focused on higher value work that only they can do? Right. So um, they charge a fee per month per head. And because of they're part of the client's firm, they're not like an Upworker or you know, Fiverr that'll come and go. They're really sticky. These team members are actually part of two cultures. They're part of the backroom culture and they're part of the client's culture. From the client, they're getting training and leadership and support and development and camaraderie and being part of the client's journey. And the client doesn't want to lose the investment they've made in that staff member. You know, They're wearing their t-shirt, they're part of their team, but they also get significant professional developments just like every other team member. Um, but then they also get professional development, mentorship, camaraderie, and culture from the backroom. And that makes them sticky to the backroom as an employer um, and to the client. So their business model is super sticky. You know, they've, got this, uh, they've got very, very low client and team member attrition. So every time they place somebody with a client, they've got a high degree of confidence that that person will stay in place for a very long time. So the business has this beautiful, it's a services business, it's a profitable business, it's not a SaaS business but it has a nice recurring revenue style to it, even though it's not a technology business. So it's got a long-term cash flow predictability. It's going to be worth more than typical services businesses where they're having to replace that revenue year on year. Their revenue builds and builds and builds and builds. I'm going to give you one final um, example just to prompt your thinking, and then I'm going to leave it with you to digest and see if you can build some switching costs into your business. The second example is BMT tax depreciation. Uh, I used BMT tax depreciation probably 20 years ago when I bought my first investment property. They do tax depreciation schedules for investment properties. It costs you about 700 bucks, um, and that's for an investor to you know, get a, essentially a, a service, like a, uh, somebody assesses the property, figures out all the fixtures and fittings and the building costs and all the rest, figures out what can be depreciated, which becomes an expense. That expense offsets your tax and essentially lowers your tax bill, which essentially is money back in your pocket, which helps you become um, more, you know, faster towards um, cash flow positive if your rents are going up for each property. Anyway, invest, the problem with that business model is investors don't buy properties every year. So in two years, so, you, know, you buy a property, you go to BMT, you get your tax depreciation shield up. Great. You could have used anyone. You don't know who these guys are. It's a $700 cost. It's just a cost of doing, doing business. It's a bit annoying, but it makes you some money back, so you're happy to do it. But in two years or three years or five years or seven years, when you buy your next one, how do they make sure that you come back to them? So what they did was they built this sort of no cost to the customer software platform called MyBMT, that when you do your first one, it logs your property in there. 
And from then on, forever, it sends you email notifications every time there's a development approval lodged in a nearby property. So you get a heads up anytime there's something about to happen that's going to encroach on your property's view or your position um, or something that's going to make it harder to, um, to tenant your property, to rent it out, or for the property value to increase because now maybe all of a sudden you've got a gigantic apartment building and everybody's staring into your bedroom window and so there's no privacy anymore, things like that. Now, if you don't know about those things, and if you're an investor and you're probably maybe in a different state or a different country, you're not going to know about it. So therefore, you can't vote on it. You can't do anything about it. You can't get other people involved. And so every now and again, you're getting these emails from BMT. You know, hey, there's a new develop development approval. You should go and have a look at it. And because you're getting these every now and again, and it's really valuable to you as an investor, but it's not costing you anything. In three years' time, when you need to come back and buy the next property, who are you going to go to for your tax depreciation schedule? Absolute no-brainer. You're going to be going to BMT. So, and if you're building a portfolio, all your properties go into that portal. And again, they will prompt you if there's industry or regulatory changes that'll affect your depreciation schedules. So they're adding all this value through unique advice, which you would otherwise miss and which otherwise cost you money. These guys over 25 years have been able to build up 180 team members and they have about 50% of the market. I'll say that again, they have 50% of the market. How many businesses do you know that have 50% of any market? It is absolutely massive for that industry. I, um, I did an interview with Brad um, Beer, the managing director. I cannot for the life of me remember what episode number um, that is. I think somewhere in the early 30s. Um, I think 34 and a sort of rough guess in my head. If you go back and you look for Brad Beer uh, on the Scalots podcast, either on YouTube or Apple or Spotify uh, or wherever you get your stuff from, Google Podcast, yada, yada, you will find uh, the Brad story and you'll hear more about the BMT story. Okay, so that is a few different ways to stimulate your thinking on how you can build real or perceived switching costs into your business. So the question I would leave you with today is how can you shift your model, particularly if you've got a transactional one, how do you start to shift it from transactional to relational in some way where you're making, you know, you're creating some kind of an offer that makes it, you know, more likely that people are going to stay with you for longer and possibly gets harder and harder to leave because the value is increasing, but also you're getting deeper and with further tentacles into their life or into their business. And as a result, it becomes harder um, and less desirable to leave you. Not so they resent you. Uh, you never want to be in that space. But so you are just become a bit of a partner for life. You're very easy to deal with and they get lots of continued value and that just becomes bigger and bigger over time. How can you do that? That is the question I want to leave with you today. Before I go, if you have, if you enjoy thinking about how to optimize your business model, you should be joining us at the next Scale-Ups Roadmap program. The doors to the Scale-Ups Roadmap program, the next one, are going to be opening in May. Uh, if you would like to know more about what's in the Scale-Ups Roadmap program, which is basically a, a, a course where we are going to step-by-step -step take you through um, the development of an awesome, kick-ass, compelling growth strategy for your business. In that process, we're actually going to go through um, uh, 12 different ways to optimize your scalability and your valuation. In the third module, it's one of the core focuses. Uh, everybody loves that segment. Everybody loves working on their business model and making it better and stronger. That's one of the most exciting people to do. If you'd like to know more about it, just go to scaleupsroadmap.com.au, join the waitlist there, and you'll find all out. Uh, you'll find everything you need to know. Uh, about the course. Have a great day. Have an awesome week. I will speak to you next week. See you later.